and welcome to the Cypherdelic Podcast, the only podcast you need for a sneak peek behind the curtain into board games, escape rooms, and all things immersive. My name is Dan. By day, I am an escape room GM and experience maker at Time Trap Escape Rooms in Reading, and joining me as always is my co-host Jamie. Hello, I am a software developer who's helped to develop the more techie puzzles for the Imaginarium design crew for coming up to five years. And in our little podcast here, we like to get our hands on people who are involved in the industry and uh, throw them through the ringer of an escape room in the form of a podcast. We'll give them a quick safety brief. We'll get to know a little bit about them and what they love and what they know. Then we'll dive deep into the puzzles and we will figure out all the intricate pieces holding the escape room industry in place, turn all the cogs, twist all the keys and unlock all the secrets. Afterwards, we'll have a nice, relaxing debrief. Sound good? Very good. Nice. Let's get going. This week, we are joined all the way from Stuttgart, Germany, by Ralph Queerfort, one of the main brains behind the board games that you've probably seen in any escape room parlor as you were walking out. You probably bought a few. You've probably played a few. You've probably been frustrated with your family and flipped a table because of playing a few of them. He is one of the geniuses that comes up with those puzzles, and we are looking forward to having a long chat with him. Uh, Ralph studied automotive information and technology at uni, and then straight off the back of that, am I right, went straight into working for Cosmos. So uh, what exactly were you doing for Cosmos? Yeah, I'm an editor or product manager for board games at Cosmos. And um, yeah, that's what I'm doing there for now, um, 14 years now. So many different games I've um, like developed on the editing side, um, and um, sometimes I have um, ideas on my own, and um, yeah, bring them to life um, together with um, designers, and that's a very very cool job um, because um, board gaming, of course, is um, like my number one hobby too, and so it's a perfect combination of um, of passion and and yeah, earning some money. Do you have like a top three? always difficult but there are like three games that really brought me into um, into gaming again um, when I was a student um, at the university and that were like uh, Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne and Tihu and those three classics are yeah for me they are like really perfect games and, and I would play again and again every now and then they're not like I, I played them back then and today I wouldn't play them again it's I think they're as good as they were back then I've played Settlers a few times and I do really enjoy Settlers of Catan I only found out about two weeks ago that it was real I thought I genuinely thought it was made up for a TV show <laughs> and then I thought that it was brought into like it was made real because it was so popular on the show but you Ralph you're also a massive fan of basketball are you not yeah, so um, from time to time I play myself, but I, of course I like to watch nice. um, the NBA. And of course, um, when Dirk Nowitzki was active, that was like really my, my favorite player. And um, yeah, and he was such a normal guy, but still so um, yeah, so playing perfectly and, and never giving up. And that was really um, something very inspiring. And, and I think not all sports stars are so humble and, and normal, even when they're, especially when they're successful. So do you play a lot? basketball yourself not as much as i i'd like <laughs> but from time to time i'm with friends or i just go to the court is this because you're too busy designing games <laughs> yeah or playing board games and of course i have some other hobbies too like the ones uh, we are talking about uh, today especially <laughs> driving to um, or uh, going to uh, to escape rooms and um, not only 
yeah, nearby, but also to other places. And that takes some time too. And of course, family and friends. <laughs> Uh, speaking of escape rooms, actually, um, I understand you are a bit of an enthusiast. Um, do you know how many you've done? And do you, like some of us, have a spreadsheet of all the ones you've played? Or do you not keep track? Yes, I, I do keep track. And I I started, like, um, not from the beginning uh, keeping track. And then I had to, like, remember <laughs> what, what what all the rooms were. And I hope I didn't forget any any important ones. I don't think so. Um, and I think they're, like... In the count, there are, I guess, um, many, many people who are um, who have uh, lots of more rooms than me. Um, I'm with sending it 120 or 22 escape rooms at the moment, and um, it should be more, of course. But yeah, it's not always again the time, and and you need uh, people to uh, to play them and to go to go there uh, with um, who are like um, as enthusiastic as you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's um, it's a great hobby, but yeah. trying to get one together, have all the free time together to be able to go is much more difficult than I'd like it to be. Do you feel the pressure of getting the right team together so that your friends aren't letting you down and you can have to blame them if you ever, God forbid, if you ever don't escape? Oh, no, no, that's not like... Um, in the beginning, it was like, oh, maybe we can break the record and we have to be like especially quick and, and don't waste any time. But in, like today, I think it's more about enjoying the, the experience and and the like the the setting and all the things um and i i prefer more like the immersion than the, more than the perfect incredible riddles um i like a mixture of it of course but um for me the experience and 30 minutes is, is a smaller experience than like 55 minutes so it's it's i don't play with the pressure anymore yeah but i don't want to 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 lose a room um because i think that's um that's something that shouldn't happen um, like for with players who have some experience at least yeah. Because there are some some room owners who think it's it's cool to have some kind of um, yeah success rate that is <laughs> below thirty or fifty percent, and I don't think that's a quality um, thing. At least for me, I want to enjoy the full experience. Yeah. That's fair enough. All right, in that case, uh, it's been a good start getting to know you there, Ralph. So just quickly go through how this podcast is going to work. We've we've gotten to know you. I'll give you a quick little safety brief just to make sure you don't hurt yourself on any of these questions, and then we're going to get straight into puzzling it out. And we want to hear a lot about you from the escape room board game, all of your knowledge of creating fun games. We just want to kind of drain you of all of your energy so we can have some of your creative and logical powers. So just remember that all the fire escapes are real, the furniture is fixed to the wall, the snozberries taste like snozberries, and hopefully this will be absolutely fine. Are you ready for the hard-hitting questions Jamie's got for you? I'm not sure, but I hope so. So, uh, Ralph. Um, my first question is going to be about um, you getting into the industry. So, what um, what is it that brought you into creating your like um, escape room board games? Yeah, so it started um, in in late 2014 when I heard um, about like one of the first escape rooms in Stuttgart, and I think um, one of the first in in Germany um, too. And when I only heard um, about what it's about and what uh, what you have to do there, even before um, experience it, I I was really like caught and and, and hooked up. Um, so I thought that yeah, that must be great and and must be really um, fun to do. So the next day um, after I heard about it, I I went um, to Cosmos uh, to work, and in our lunch break, I told my colleagues about this um 
this escape room in Stuttgart and um, asked if maybe we, we should go there together to experience this. And already there, the idea was um, was made up that maybe if this is really cool, we can make a, a game out of it. And when then we played the room and we all were really um, yeah on fire and, and thought that that was really great. And solving riddles, maybe a little bit limited material and components, but still it sh it could be possible maybe in in a in a small box. Um, so we further thought about the idea and then we asked um, the designer couple um, Inka and Markus Brandt, um, who, who we are working with um, like for years now, and we knew that um, that they are creative. And by chance, like um, several weeks after we had the idea, we met at an at some kind of board game weekend where we played, and they told us that they are about to go to an escape room so we thought they probably will be the perfect um, guys to to talk to to create those those kind of board games and when we asked them sometime later they when they had played the room they were in at once so it was like yeah within the second they said yes <laughs> yeah and after that um, we went on to to developing and ideas and first games the first prototypes testing and so on then in 2016 the first three games were launched so it took some time, um, almost um, two years, but I think the time was, was worth it to work on it, probably. Nice. So of these first three games um, that you created, were any of them based off of the first room that you played? Like, were any of the themes similar or was it completely different? Like, how did you arrive at the themes for the first three? So um, the first room I played was some kind of normal horror room. Where you go to a basement, very um, yeah, saw inspired are uh, the movie saw, and I, I don't even know what the first room was that Inca and Marcus played, um, but they came up with the um, abandoned cabin, and we thought that works perfect too, and I think back then even more it was escape rooms were quite uh, connected to to horror or some kind of stranger who was uh, haunting you or um, keeping you locked in. So those were the the normal first ideas uh, for for the themes and for the um, two other games that were ideas from um, from me and my team at Cosmos um, doing some kind of um, science lab and and the tomb uh, the Egyptian tomb and so we thought that could be cool and different um, themes but they were not directly inspired by by our first rooms. Were any of the puzzles inspired by the first room? Because um, um, had you been involved in designing puzzles before, or was this like your first time? Um, the first three games um, are quite, I, th I would say, like ninety to ninety-five percent when it um, when it's about the riddles. It's um, they were from Inca and Marcus, so I don't know if they were inspired by by their first room or first rooms. And I in the in the cabin I I had some some riddle change ideas that I put in, um, but they were not inspired by by the first rooms I played. No. Interesting. Mm. I wondered if they would be. Yeah. But yeah, interesting. Um, would you like to move on to the hard hitting puzzling? Well, yeah, I think we should move on to the hard hitting puzzling. Um, so, um, when designing specifically your first exit game, what did you find was the most difficult thing? to translate from an escape room to a board game? Yes, yeah, so this is, of course, a question that's a bit tricky to ask me because uh, especially the first um, games were um, 
I had the the idea for the concept and the the basic design that we want to have it in a small box and there should be there should be like a decoder wheel and it's all controlled by cards and you don't need an app or anything electronic thing or you need some some kind of game master so you can all play together with um without any special um without any special roles for for anybody and out of these um concept ideas um Inca and Marcus uh, like created the the first three games together with all the riddles and the the working mechanism with the wheel and the the um, solution cards and then later I brought in some riddle ideas and then I also started to work on games completely that we when we were like meeting all the three of us at the at their table at home and and like designing the the game from from the first idea which theme it should have and what kind of riddles should could be in it and we all put together like the the riddle ideas we already had in in our desk <laughs> where that we came up with and then we created some new riddles together looking at, at components at cards what can we do with the cards um, that's special or that's different to all the other things we've done what can we do with the box um with the even with the rules or anything with the inlay in the in the box and from this on usually you come up with um with some riddle ideas and you also of course try to do some riddles or to do the riddles connected to the to the theme sometimes it it works very well sometimes the riddles are like so cool and you want to have them in the box but they're like not perfectly connected but still it's fine it's working with the with the theme but it's not perfectly fi uh, fitting and but what we all together always want to do and there's also the editing part when i i play test um with inca and marcus um the the games um we we see and we we emphasize that there should be a quite simple entry or starting um riddle to get the people into the game to have them solve something quite quickly and to see okay we can do this we can um we can use the the wheel and the cards and we know how to work how it works and after that the the riddles can be a bit more difficult and what the riddles have to be that they have to be um different um, at least so it shouldn't be like the the 10 riddles that are in the box they shouldn't be all some kind of logical stuff or some kind of um, visualization stuff or or um, with with the language so we always want to have a variety of riddles so when you have played in a group and with different talents um the people have um so everybody can can have his moment or her moment and to to solve a riddle and that wouldn't be as as yeah as probably with very similar riddles I've played a fair few exit games myself and I can I can attest to there are always a big selection of different types of riddles and anytime that I play them I normally play them as a three. Each one of us does like solve something and we're like, oh yeah, of course it is. And it's all like, yeah, good work. It's always there's there's never just one person solving everything. Yeah, I have like I have like one more story um to, to tell with um with one special riddle. Um, because sometimes of course you 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 sit there and you you want to create a riddle, but um very often it's more you you see something you hear something you you watch something at tv or in the in the movies and then you it's it clicks and you think oh maybe this could be some kind of riddle and so there was like one of the the newer star wars uh, movies i think it was episode 8 
and there was some one scene where there was some kind of um, visualization riddle they they did and i thought oh maybe we can use this in some kind of different way not like um totally copied um but some kind of um varied way to use this for another riddle in the exit game so these kind of things happen too yeah and that's that's cool to to see something and then have the idea okay there could be some uh, a riddle in it are there some occasions where the puzzle comes first rather than the theme do you sometimes have this really cool idea for a puzzle and then you save it for later almost to go right we, we can probably make a game out of this and then you theme it around it or is it always the theme first it's a mixture of both but i think with the exit games it's it's even a bit um, more of there's a riddle idea and we we put it um suiting or fitting into the into the theme but both can happen yeah nice um, so do you think that there are other escape room designers that can learn from board games to apply into their escape rooms? I think so too. I, I haven't um, made up my mind about this um, before, but I think with um, board games, it's you, you, you also have some kind of problem to solve, some kind of tactical decisions and seeing things, seeing solutions to make the perfect um, move or anything. So and, and to solve some some yeah some bad situation in in the middle of the game, so it's also about some kind of creativity and and um, problem solving. So so there of course is, is some kind of connection even with games that are not like escape room board games, and and also I think what's what is important um, and what can be very helpful is the um, the guiding in the in the board game. That you have um, that you have icons and and um, I, um, or texts that that make it easy for people to understand what the game is doing or what you can do in the game. So some kind of intuitive um, and elegant games. They usually are are not like oh what was this rule about and we have to read again and again because it doesn't feel right what what we have to do it's better when when the, your your options the actions you can do are feel natural or feel intuitive and i think this can also help for for escape rooms that it's not always obvious what to do of course but when you see the pattern or when you see the solution you think yes it has to be like this it's not some strange um, ideas we have, and just to to solve some to solve a riddle um, any kind of way, but you can see, okay, this will be it, and and that's something that that I think um, escape room designers can also learn from it and and both uh, use to have intuitive design. That was that's actually almost partly answered what I was going to ask you next, um, which was I was going to ask, <laughs> do you have like a golden rules of um, like the puzzles that you design and it sounds like clear direction is probably one of those yeah we we try at least and of course we know from our from customers from reviews that this doesn't work all the time and we know there there can't be a hundred percent um yeah hitting or a success rate for everybody that's something i i had to learn over the the first years too because i thought okay why 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 can't everybody love the game and or love the riddles <laughs> um but um but you you have to accept it that uh, it's some kind of taste it's different kind of logical thinking and the the best thing we can do is to make it as 
as intuitive and as logical for as many people as possible. And it's not about, okay, it, it doesn't um, matter anyway, because uh, there will always be people who don't don't see it or understand it the way you you do. But you have to accept that you can't make it perfect um, for everybody. So did you spend quite a lot of your time, at least in the early stages, looking at reviews? Yes, yes, I did. And that's something, on the one hand, it's it's helpful because um, you, you shouldn't only read the, oh, the, what a nice game and what oh, so perfect and I love it. You also need um, to accept and see criticism to to get better and to even improve um, the things that are already quite well. But um, you have to also learn to, to separate the... I didn't like the game because it didn't um, hit my taste from the there's really some some points um, that that could make the game better for for even more people and not only for a minority or a very small minority. I think that's some very good advice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That you really can't dwell on the negatives too much, but at the same time, criticism is a good thing. <laughs> it can be a useful tool. Um, do you have a favorite exit game that you have worked on or designed? So there are of course quite a few of them that I that I really really appreciate like a lot. But um, what I always remember is um, the the mysterious museum um, that was like the together with the mansion. It was sinister. I think it's a sinister mansion. I think. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Those were the first two where I was completely involved, also as a, as a designer. And I I really love them even today. Yeah. In Germany, it's in German, it's unheimlich. <laughs> this is a good chance for us to just drop the socials. Go onto Instagram, listeners, and uh, just private messages if we're wrong. Just uh, <laughs> that's what that's what it's there for. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier on that you had like thought up of some um, riddle ideas that you were like, oh, I really want to put this into one of our games. But has there been a time where you have really wanted to include something, but it's just not made the cut? It happens from time to time where you see, okay, this could be some cool things and then some kind of yeah, components that are like not, yeah, because we, are, we don't want to put too much garbage in our games um, that you, you only can use only once, but that's, that's not paper because we, we know our games are one-time use games. But it's um, like over ninety percent paper, and so it's um, it's not that problematic, and you can recycle it. But um, some kind of um, um, light um, light stuff, or um, where you you have for like really special uh, materials, and they, for for one time use, that would be I think problematic to have them in. And on the other hand, they're usually too expensive to put them in, so um, yeah, <laughs> there's no problem at all with them. Um, how long does the average game take from like A to from like start to finish? So like the design stage, how long does that roughly take? And then I guess it would be like production and then play testing and then like final release. How long does each like step take? So um, in the beginning, of course, as I said, it, that was like um, two years <laughs> it took, but um, right now it's we <clears throat> we finish one game and the the next one is already in in work. So we can come up with um, several games um, every six months. So um, quite, and also different kind of games. So it's there are always games in different um, in different phases of the the yeah, development process. And usually the first phase um, is with Incan Marcus, um, and sometimes um, the editing team is also involved in the in the riddle um, creation too. But um, 
from this phase that is that usually takes like one, two, three months with the, the playtesting starts. And there, of course, we have to to see if the 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 riddles that we like also um, work and and um, are appreciated by other people too. And then afterwards, um, or even in this process, we start doing the the illustration part with um, like uh, illustrators and and then the graphic designers work on it. So the whole game is usually um, developed from from the start to the the final product within half a year. That's very tight. Yeah, it it sometimes feels like a hamster wheel, and of um, of course because um, one is the one game is, is finished and the next one has to be worked on already. That's really quick. Yeah, it's a really tight turnaround. But given that like the Lord of the Rings one came out fairly recently. Does that mean, have you got a sequel in the works? Are you going to do like a Rings of Power one in the next six months? A mm, lot of Ring games. Um, I wasn't the editor for this one. And this, of course, took some time longer because you have some approval processes um, there too. And oh, yeah, that, of course. That's always a bit more problematic. Um, but it it went well, uh, quite well. And it it really works great. Um, the, the first month it's out now. So we will... Of course, have to see if another game will be possible. There's one maybe problem because the the rights for board games have um, for a um, lot of the rings board games are were sold in the last few um, months. So maybe it's not as easy to get and like a, a sequel, yeah, like it was before. Uh, bouncing off of the Lord of the Rings game, um, do you approach IP or do they approach you? With a lot of the rings, um, we approached. Um, the IP. So we already were in talks and with um, yeah with other licensing uh, the Lord of the Rings IP for other board games. So we already had a connection. So it was quite easy to to get this, but um, this is not as easy as um, before now because the IP owners have changed. But both can happen. Yeah. So that we are contacted or we contact the IPs. Yeah. Um. So. With your exit games, um, are there any that you would recommend to players to start playing the exit games? Like maybe they've played some board games before. Have you got any recommendations for exit games that you think that maybe beginners should start at? Yeah, definitely. Um, and sometimes I, I hear from people that they started with like um, an expert level game. And even if they were experts, but they had some problems and they were not enjoying it totally. And so I always recommend play first play some some game that is more on the beginner's level. I think in the UK you have those the dot system, and do, yes. because in Germany we have three levels. It's like beginners, advanced, and and the experts. So it's uh, without dots. And there I always say, um, yeah, play a beginner's level at first. That could be the House of Riddles or um, the Mysterious Museum. I think I'm yet to play a five-star one. Oh, are you? I think so. I think four is the highest I've done so far. I've yeah. done a few. I'm trying did to you, what the Did you feel like the four was pushing it? Did you feel challenged? To be fair, yes, yeah? I definitely did. I think we did one of the four-star ones quite early on. We didn't start oh, with fool. the four, but we did do it probably quite early on. I think we got a little bit overconfident. <laughs> <laughs> I know I remember one of them taking yeah. us something like nearly two hours. Are but... you still playing? Are you, have you taken a, you <laughs> yeah, taken a break from playing it to come and record this? <laughs> Try and get some hints. What is important is that um, even if it's, it's, it's a beginner's level game, it's not like the, the riddles are for, for children or so. The just the the whole 
concept is, is purely linear. You always know which cards you have to use for the current um, riddle. And the riddles are presented maybe in a bit easier way. But still, they we really um, work on, on doing creative and, and special riddles also in the beginner's level. And not um, it's not like children games, um, the beginner's level. So you usually can enjoy them too, even as enthusiasts. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've The ones I've done, I've absolutely loved. I think the Catacomb of Horror might be my favorite. Diving down a little bit into pandemic territory now. Oh. Um, so post-pandemic, um, how do you find that the board game landscape has changed? Do you think it's changed at all? Do you think it's stayed the same? Do you think it's like the demand has gone up? Well, so what we saw is that um, during the, the high phase of the pandemic, because I... I don't think it's like really post-pandemic. <laughs> it's it's yeah. Let's see what the winter um, brings. But um, <laughs> yeah. in the in the high phase of the pandemic, um, really the board game um, sales numbers were really going up. So um, it was people played more and more um, all kind of games and especially more um, exit games. They were very successful before, but um, that was really like um, going through the roof. Um, the, the last two years and what we see this year is that it's it's going down to the like normal pre high phase pandemic um, level again and but of course i think there are more, so many factors at the moment um with the with the with putin and the ukraine and the inf inflation and and everything um that that people yeah maybe this winter will not buy so many board games because they have other other um, things to to buy, but we will see. So it's it's difficult to to say at the moment what is um, pandemic driven or um, global crisis driven. I, I still hope that people um, uh, remember the um, the experiences that they had with the board games during the pandemic and and like to continue this kind of um, experiences and of course go to to. Uh, to real escape rooms again even more now but uh, also play board games maybe not so often as uh, in the last like in the last two years but still in the winter um, when it's cold outside um, and i think there are so many cool games to to play and it's a, it's a perfect thing to, to have some social interaction and have fun and forget the rest of the the sorrows um, you have maybe absorb yourself in something else for a short time yeah uh, when when um, it was in the height of the pandemic um, the way that we played exit games um, was me and my partner would buy a copy and then we'd get my partner's dad to buy a copy and then we would play it together over like zoom <laughs> so <laughs> so we'd like open them all together but a copy of like the same game each. a copy of the same game okay um, and then we would like open because it was it was hard to show them to the camera like for right. anything. Um, but we that, that's how we um, ended up playing our exit games. We'd do it over Zoom and have a copy each. And it actually worked. <laughs> it worked surprisingly well, honestly. That's that's a, um, an explanation for the growing number sales numbers, of course. Yeah. When you you play <laughs> with two copies that you usually would have played with one copy. <laughs> Maybe we weren't the only ones. Maybe everyone was doing that. Yeah. No, no, you, you, I, you I weren't. Really doubt you it, weren't. Jamie. I, think it was, I think it was just you. <laughs> Um, oh God. So, is there um, a is there an escape room that you would like to see, like in board game form, or vice versa? 
Is there like a board game you'd like to see in escape room form? Yeah, like so many cool experiences I, I've had um, with uh, real, real escape rooms and some kind of the, the legends of the the, um, the magical academy. It's I think it would be translated to, to English and that's a room in, in Nuremberg in Germany. And that is okay. very Harry Potter inspired. Yeah, <laughs> it's of course, it's not the... The official license, um, but it's very inspired, and that that was really a great um, experience. Um, for example, that could be would be really cool. I think as a board game, of course, limited with the with the um, yeah effects you have there. <laughs> yeah, uh, one uh, another experience I loved was were the the Amsterdam catacombs. Uh, that was it was oh, nice. quite horror, cool. but still it was very immersive and very yeah very intense. <laughs> I've heard about these. They sound awesome. What are they? That's a, a real physical room, yeah. and that's um, it's placed below a real church. So perfect setting. Ooh. I've heard a few. Yeah, I've heard that it's pretty, pretty, uh, <laughs> intense. pretty intense. Yeah, as as Ralph described it. Yeah. Yeah, and there was one situation where I had uh, I was separated from the group, and um, there I I had to experience that like small places usually maybe are not my problem, but in this kind of uh, case it was. It wasn't feeling so great, but afterwards it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on to a slightly more cheerier topic than um, being stuck in catacombs. You guys have a Christmas advent calendar that I think the first one was last year. You've got one coming out this year. How would, how did that come up? How was that conceived? So um, it's it's already the third one in, in Germany coming up uh, coming out this year. So and of course I'm um, I hope that in the in English they will all come up uh, come out later uh, one year later afterwards so you you have something uh, coming up uh, every year for sure and <laughs> yeah. when we think and then talk about um, exit and what kind of products we can do there are of course several ideas some are cool but difficult to to really create and the advent calendar was one thing that we that we thought about quite early i think it was coming up also um i'm not sure whose idea it was back then but um then we saw that other um publishers uh, came up with escape room um, advent calendars and we saw that they are working quite well and we had to decide that we we have to yeah we have to um, do this quickly and we have to come up with this uh, next year so we were one year after the other publishers were out we we came with our first one we weren't the first ones there but um, we really tried to do the best ones at least nice you mentioned that this is the third one in germany now so does that mean that our at the one we've got this year is your last year so yeah i think you're one year behind maybe i need to go to germany and buy the, <laughs> buy the other one that feels like cheating <laughs> i really enjoyed last year's one so i'm very much looking forward to this year's one and now to know there's another one out that we haven't done i just immediately <laughs> want to buy it <laughs> uh, so you already played the the first one last year okay that's then that there's there's one for you this year. We're a year okay, behind. So right. We're a year behind. It's a massive time delay between Germany and here. I didn't realize. <laughs> it, it takes some time to translate the the games and, and the the advent calendars. And with riddles, it's especially difficult because usually you just can't uh, translate them one to one. You have to maybe change a bit, and you have to really be careful that the riddles still work in the in the different language. Oh, that's something I hadn't considered. I hadn't even thought of like I how difficult that, that must be. Yeah, that you. Would, I guess create them in German first and yeah. then the same with the normal exit games um, yeah. that they come out like one or 
yeah, like half a year or one year before the English edition here. And there are many word riddles and, and texting stuff. And of course, it would be easier to to have like only mathematical or logical uh, riddles, but it wouldn't be the same quality. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah our partners, our English partners, they have to, yeah, <laughs> have to take this burden <laughs> to translate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so on the topic of uh, translating, um, like from German to English um, or other languages, um, are there any puzzles that you have to adapt or do you take this into consideration when you're designing the puzzles? That's a very good question. And uh, that's really something uh, a bit problematic because we, when creating the, the riddles for the, for the original German edition, we want to be like as, as free as possible and, and to be creative and uh, unlimited. But um, of course, sometimes we see, okay, this will be yeah, nearly impossible or impossible to translate. And then we, either we already or, um, or our colleagues at, in the English um, editorial department, they come up with an idea how to transport it into the, the other language. So there are occasions where the puzzle does change a little bit when it goes to a different language. And sometimes it's it's a small change and sometimes it's it's a bigger change. So but it's quite rare that we have to really change the the type of puzzle. If if you know, um what is the best selling exit game? It's a close race, <laughs> I know. And okay. um, like the the very first one, the abandoned cabin is um first place. But um, the sunken treasure is like a very close second. What of the exit games? Is there one that you would like to see become a physical escape room? I really would like to see um, the gate between worlds. So I, because I like sci-fi too a lot, and oh, yeah. I think that would be some kind of cool, cool experience where visiting different kind of worlds and different kind of uh, rooms, and yeah, that could be I think very a very special experience. That would be really cool. That's, well, I think my hard-hitting stuff. I think that's the hard-hitting stuff done. I think we've we've drained you of all your essence and knowledge there, Ralph. So we'll we'll, we'll just have a slow wind down, like at the end of a basketball game. Get you back to the old sporting days. My first question is going to be: um, if you could go back in time and speak to yourself before you started out, um, I guess either at Cosmos or um, just before creating the exit games, would would you go back and give yourself any advice? And if so, what is that advice? Or what, if I could redo the first um, exit games, one thing would be that I would put on the box, it's like 60 to 120 minutes <laughs> instead of 45 to 90. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we, we experienced all, only after the... Only after publishing them, um, and what I really um, learned quite quite early that or more difficult <laughs> is not better. Agreed, especially with escape rooms as well. I I think that stands true. But I can, you can totally understand why that would be. That you'd think that immediately, like the easy ones are okay, and then you you'd think the harder it gets, the better it gets. But I guess it must take some unlearning to kind of go difficulty and quality are two different things. Too easy, of course, is, isn't isn't good too because there has to be some kind of aha moment uh, where um, it clicks and it's not like oh you see the riddle and ah oh, okay I know what to do I have to do a sudoku or something then it's not it's not a riddle for me but having too many things to think about that's yeah there's there's some small target group who loves this but they are not 
yeah not too many it's a small fraction of the players i suppose isn't it the ones that like the really challenging stuff whereas everyone else are normal people that like just they like we like to chug along we like to go oh this this feels like it would be hard to other people but i get it <laughs> i understand i'll take over and um, would there be any advice that you would give to anyone else um aspiring to enter the board games industry Well, the most important thing is, of course, that you re really love games and it's not only to make big money. I think that's not <laughs> the the business <laughs> to aim for. But if you would like to enjoy the things that you do in private and connect them with um, with your like everyday job, and that's like even after 14 years, I see when the first um, produced box is, is in your hands, of the game that you've worked on like for half a year or, two, or one year or one and a half years that's really some kind of yeah great moment so if you would like enjoy those kind of moments and you have some kind of you have a mixture of creativity but also logical thinking and um yeah organized um working then board game editing or uh, product management can be very fulfilling That was the most adorable advice I think yeah. I've ever heard. That was amazing. Yeah. You can tell just by the look on your face when you were saying that, that you genuinely love what you do. Yeah. And, and when I started uh, with the job, I heard uh, some some people said, oh, are you really sure about this? This can like kill your hobby when you have to do it um, all the time. But um, this hasn't happened and I don't see it coming. And of course, when I play games in private, I, I play them with a bit of different look like before at the games looking at the components um, looking at the, the the rules and things but enjoying the game is still is still there um like like before and i want to learn yeah new games all the time and like not not only for work how many board games do you currently own or at least like approximately <laughs> Although I feel like you might have an exact number for us. <laughs> for, for this, not, but um, it's quite a few more than than escape rooms I've played. Um, it should be a bit of, uh, a bit more than thousand games Goodness. I have. Yeah, a thousand. Um, so you can apply this to. I'm going to give you the choice of either escape rooms or an exit game. Um, if you had unlimited budget and no intellectual property issues, um, what would be your dream game? So I think after doing so many um, exit board games or escape board games, I um, I would really do a real escape room together with some friends. Um, and there, I think okay. there um, should there should be like some some multimedia experience with um, with cool, clever riddles. But also the the immersion would be um, would be the the most important thing, like a real adventure thing in the maybe Indiana Jones style. So I, I don't like uh, the the horror games too much. So I'm more in the adventure um, kind of games, and I think there there could be some should be some more with shifting walls with um, whatever. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, I'd love an escape room with shifting walls. Yeah. You, yeah. Weirdly, I was oh, thinking of a rope bridge that you have to like place the planks along to my, get to the other side. My but... mind immediately just went to the boulder. <laughs> yeah, run away from the boulder. Yeah. Yeah, and I would. What I would like to see, maybe there's a room out there, and maybe the, your audience can can help us. So, if there's any room where the whole room is rotated during the game, or that you you leave the room and during um, you're out, the room is rotated, and then you're playing on the on the ceiling. Um, that would be some kind of cool stuff too. Oh, that would be. A, I went into a haunted house that did a thing like that once. 
a rotated room. Yeah. I, I feel like, like a lot of people would be really uncomfortable and really disorientated <laughs> by it, and it would just be a joy to watch. You'd have to glue everything down. <laughs> All right, well, um, thank you very much um, for that. My final question to you will be, um, are there any current or future projects that you wish the listeners to know about? Well, um, there's really one game that is coming out in like like early next year, maybe in March or May. Probably in, in the UK, it will be in, in autumn next year or early 24. So, and I, I cannot tell you too much about it. It's, it's still a top secret, but it's, it's also, um, it's not escaping, but you still have to do some tasks in the game. And it's, it's very communicative and you play it together. And it's, it's a really great experience, I think. I'm excited already. <laughs> Um, so if uh, the listeners wanted to find um, either yourself or Cosmos, um, what platforms can they find you on? Of course, Cosmos, we uh, in Germany we and also the UK, we have um, a website. So there's um, a good way. And of course, the, um, the normal platforms like Insta or uh, Facebook, um, there you, you can get connection. And if you want to, like, get a connection directly to me i think uh, the best way is to to write to you and you can maybe forward it to me afterwards if there are any questions will. or ideas or if there's like a, a board game designer out there with the the new next um cool idea so just uh just <laughs> well done I think that we've asked, we've gotten more of you than we could ever possibly have asked, and we are incredibly grateful to you, Ralph. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me and having the a great uh, like one hour <laughs> chat. That was like more a chat and uh, yeah, cool, cool conversation and not uh, the typical interview. I really liked it. All right, I think all that's left for us to do now is just to sign off. So once again, massive thank you to you, Ralph. Thanks to Jamie for doing all the important stuff and asking all the real questions. Thank you, Dan, for thanking me. Uh, you are absolutely welcome. And listeners, you can find us at Cyphedelic Pod on all the socials. So just make sure you tune in next time when we have another great guest. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,